0: Pray for me while I preach today, dear people. Pray for me every week. Today we're making a turn, a little bit of a turn in this series that we're calling In the Garden. Up till now, we've really been doing some, uh, you could describe it in any number of ways that, to use the gardening metaphor, we've been pulling weeds. Uh, We've been cutting off branches. We've been pruning. Uh, To use construction metaphors, we've been tearing down walls, we've been blowing them up. Uh, To use war metaphors, we've been destroying sin and knocking down idols in our hearts. Uh, today, we're, we're never going to leave quite leave that behind because there always will be a need in our lives. As long as we live in this world of sin, as long as sin still lives in us, uh, we will always have the need to, to weed and demolition work and destroy the sin that lives in us by the Spirit's power. But today we're making a turn. And, and the turn is simply this, that, that God, I pray, will begin to rebuild you. Uh, to rebuild a fortress around your heart, to rebuild a fortress around you, to build up a faith, to to use the gardening metaphors to plant something in you, to use construction metaphors to build something in you, for you, around you, To, to use war metaphors to be your conqueror. And I know that may seem to be a strange thing when I've titled this sermon, Smashing Jars. And I hope to explain this during the sermon. In fact, if we get to the end of it and you're still confused how this is a good thing. But let me simply lay this out for you now as we begin. Your God is a God who smashes jars. Your God is a God who comes in the kitchen and takes that jar and smashes it down. You're like, whoa, how's that good? That seems kind of scary to me. Trust me, I'll try to explain it. But now I want to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 18 and 19. Remember, Jeremiah 18 is the potter's house where God is molding clay. Jeremiah is preaching a message. I'll explain this more as we go along. Jeremiah is preaching to them. And this is the response that Jeremiah receives, then how Jeremiah responds, and then how God responds, 18 and 19 selected verses. Please listen. So at the end of Jeremiah's sermon, they said, Come. Let's make plans against Jeremiah for the teaching of the law by the priest will not cease nor will the counsel from the wise nor the word from the prophets come. Let's attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything he says. Jeremiah prays, listen to me, Lord. Hear what my accusers are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for me. "'Remember, Lord, that I stood before you "'and spoke in their behalf "'to turn for your wrath away from them. "'So give their children over to famine. (laughs) "'Hand them over to the power of the sword. "'Let their wives be made childless and widows. "'Let their men be put to death, "'their young men slain by the sword in the battle. "'Let a cry be heard from their houses "'when you suddenly bring invaders against them. "'For they have dug a pit to capture me "'and have hidden snares for my feet.' But you, Lord, know, you know all their plots to kill me. Do not forgive their crimes or blot out their sins from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. This is what the Lord says. Go and buy a clay jar from the potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and of the priests and go out to the valley of ben Hinnom near the entrance to the potsherd gates. Then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will smash this nation and this city just as the potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, this is your word. It's a hard word, uh, but it's a word that's good for your people to hear. It's a good word for our hearts to hear. So I pray, let the words of my mouth be clear. Uh, let them be hopeful and strengthening. Let them be confronting and cutting. Lord Holy Spirit, do the work that you must do through my words today. That the, the meditation of our hearts may be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are our, are, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I said, pray for me. There are some texts that you come to and you read them and you almost don't want to touch them with a 10-foot pole. There are some texts that come up in the course of preaching that I think to myself, you know, there's something here that we really need to talk about, that we really need to unpack. But, but maybe that's one of those things that we should talk about one-on-one. Maybe it's one of those things that we need to talk about in a Bible study. It's one of those things that when you're talking to a large group of people, you're afraid that what you're, you're there's, no, there's no give and take, Right. There's a little bit of give and take, but there's not really give and take. And so a concern sometimes is I hope they hear what I'm saying in the right way. That's why I say pray for me. But here we are, we have this text in front of us that we really can't avoid. Did you hear how it went? Did you, did you hear what Jeremiah prayed? Lord, don't forgive them anymore. Did you hear God say, "I'm going to treat them. I'm going to kill them all till Tophet is so full it's overflowing with people"? It's right here in front of us. It's a little bit of a troubling text, a little bit of a scary text. A God who smashes jar is not exactly a God that you want to cuddle up with. I suppose it would be rather easy for us to simply say, "Well, you know, Jeremiah, he was, he was emotional." He was, he was eventing to God, but, but we, could at least, we could push this text off to the side in a way and say, well, Jeremiah, he was telling God how he felt, but that doesn't mean that how he felt was the right way to feel. And commentators do that kind of thing with Jeremiah's prayer here. They, they try to push it off to the side. One, one commentator, his name is Philip, Philip Reich, and he says that Jeremiah went beyond looking for vindication, like God would make it right, and he's praying for vengeance here. You no, know, we could read this section and say, well, you know, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prayer, we can learn. He's venting, but he's not right. We could quickly push that off to the side and say, well, Jeremiah was wrong in his prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a lament that went too far. But then what do you do with God, who was the one who back in chapter 14 told Jeremiah, don't pray for this people anymore. What do you do with God who walks into the kitchen with a clay jar and says, I'm so mad. If I was really dramatic, I would have broken a clay jar. Who, who says, I'm going to fill Tophet so full of people, so full of dead that it won't have room anymore. What do you do with that? What do you do with the God who tells his people when you go into Canaan, show no mercy, genocide? What do you do with that God? It's in the scripture, and some people would try to say, well, there's the God of the Old Testament who is vindictive and vengeful, and there's the God of the New Testament who's gracious and loving. What do you do? That's why we have to deal with this as a group. We have to try to unpack this. So maybe we should understand. Let's just get into this a little bit. Chapter 18, if you want to grab a Bible from the pew, you can kind of I'll just walk you through it quickly. Jeremiah chapter 18, it's the Potter's house. And, 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 I, and everybody, everybody loves the potter's house because God's got his hands on me. He's molding me. He's crafting me. He's making me into who he wants me to be. But if you read Jeremiah 18, the way that God gave Jeremiah 18, you, could, you really have to say the, the God's people are clay in the hands of an angry potter. The pot was marred and God said... In fact, the overwhelming message of the first half of Jeremiah 18 is simply this. If you listen to me and repent, then I will spare you with this destruction. But if you do not listen to me, then the destruction will come and the jar will be cracked and broken and smashed. Now you can understand then why the congregation said, Whoa, Jeremiah, no Thanks. You can understand why why, why they would push back and say, I don't want to hear what you have to say, God. This is too hard of a message. But I want you to understand something. This plot that came against Jeremiah, now I'm at verse 18, this plot that comes against Jeremiah was not just a couple of people who heard the sermon and said, you know what? I'm done with that church. I'm done with that preacher. I'm out of here. Right? That happens sometimes. But this was the leaders. It was the priests. It was the wise men. It was the prophets. Did, did you catch how they said it? The, 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 the sec i I'll read it to you because I can't remember it. The teaching of the law by the priests will not cease. The, wise count, the counsel of the wise will not stop, nor will the word of the prophets. So, so all the powerful elites... All the spiritual leaders of God's people, they were coming against Jeremiah with slander propaganda. Let's cut him down with our tongues, they said. Almost begs me to ask pause here and ask the question, what do you do when somebody talks about you? What do you do when they say things about you, when they call you racist, when they call you unkind, when they slander you, when they blaspheme you, when they post about you, when they comment about you, when they talk behind you and at you? almost begs you to ask the question, what do they do when the slander propaganda comes against you? But let's keep going. Jeremiah somehow found out about this slander propaganda, these lies that they were bringing against him. And he prayed. You heard his prayer. It's three little parts. God, you see what they're doing to me. They're plotting against me. That's part one. God, part two, God, I, I've, I've, I've interceded for them. You see these people, I got, I prayed for them. I interceded for them. I mediated for them. You were angry. They were sinful. I got in the middle. God, I got in between for them, but they didn't listen to me. Now they're plotting against me. And so then he prays, God, don't forgive them. Kill their men, their women, their children. Kill them all. No mercy. And God says, okay. If you follow the context right into chapter 19, God, he, he gives Jeremiah this message with a potter's jar. He says, Jeremiah, take that clay pot, take it into their presence and smash it in their presence and say to them, just like this clay jar, so will you be. What do you do with that? What do you do with a God who smashes jars and says, I'm going to do that to people? I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it fits. I try to get to the point so we don't belabor it. When I was a kid, one of my first jobs was delivering newspapers. West St. Paul, Minnesota. My dad went with me. We'd get up early and we'd we read. This was back in the day when we still delivered papers on our bikes. We'd ride and we'd deliver. I'd be on I'd be my bike. My dad would be on his feet. And we were up early. We'd go pick up the papers. We'd deliver the papers. And and one morning, I was riding my bike, and and a drunk man clotheslined me. My dad said, keep going. My dad doesn't have a violent bone in his body. But I'll tell you this. That day, I knew that my dad had my back because he was not going to let that drunk man hurt me. What if God, when Jeremiah is being plotted against, just says, Jeremiah, I love you. I love you so much, Jeremiah. It really stinks what they're doing against you. Jeremiah, I just want you to know that I love you. And what if God also said to the slanderers, the prophets, the priests, the wise, what if he also said to them, and you know what, I love you too. I know you're treating my prophet like dirt, but I love you. I love you so much. I just love you. What if God, when the prophet, the priest, and the wise men closed-lined his prophet, did nothing and just said, You know what? I love you. You know that a marriage is in trouble. When there's no fighting anymore. You know that a marriage is in trouble when the passion, and not the romantic kind, when, when the white hot fire of love for the spouse is gone. That, that's what happens when the fighting stops. Because when, and I'm not saying that fighting should be the norm, but when you start arguing, you stop caring, When the passion and love that you have for the spouse disappears, the marriage is in trouble because you've stopped caring about it. Love must, here's the point, love must burn white hot. You cannot love your spouse and say, don't care. And in the same way, God can't say to his prophet, I love you. But I don't care what's happening to you. God cannot just sit on his hands while Jeremiah is persecuted and slandered while while they get away with it. He cannot just sit on his hands and do nothing. A God who does not speak up for his people is not a God you can trust. A God who does not speak up for his people is not a God who cares. Love must burn white hot. And God loved Jeremiah with a white hot love. Back in chapter 1, God had told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, this is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. They will come against you. That's what he told him. Jeremiah 1, verse 19, if you want to look it up. They will come against you, but they will, this is what God promised him, but they will not overcome you because I am with you and I will rescue you. And when the prophet, the priest, and the wise men came against Jeremiah with their slander and their plots, when they locked him up in the stocks, they did that too. When they threw him in a cistern, they did that too. God came to his rescue. And when Jerusalem was torn down brick by brick, when the broken jar prophecy was fulfilled and Jerusalem was destroyed, the people were scattered, many of them killed. Do you know who survived? Jeremiah. He outlasted. He began his ministry while things were good. He ended his ministry, his life, in a natural way at the very end. Right He outlasted the whole city. God kept his promise. It's no surprise to you for me to say to you this morning that people will say things about you. They will lie about you. They will persecute you. They will say all kinds of evil about you and against you because you follow Jesus. They will get in your face and they will yell at you. They will call you names. They will post about you on on social media things. They will talk about you behind your back and rally all kinds of forces against you, trying to undermine what you're trying to do in the back shadows of the room. They will talk about you behind your back. They will talk about you to your face. It comes as no surprise to you that these kinds of things happen because it's happened to you, it's happened to me, and it won't stop happening until we get to glory. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. This is the last villain. Your God speaks up. He always speaks up in your defense. When they slander you, when they say all kinds of evil about you and against you and to you, your God speaks up in your defense. When Satan, I want you to hear God's voice. When, when Satan goes before God's throne and slanders you, that's his job, the chief slanderer, the chief liar. When he goes before God's throne and, and slanders you before God's holy presence, When he throws your sins before God's holy throne and tells God, even tells you that you deserve death and hell, this is what God says. He is not silent. Not today, Satan. This is my child. My son Jesus died for them. By his blood, he redeemed this child for me. This child belongs to me. And don't you talk about him that way. Because I paid for them. I forgave them. Their sins are gone. Those sins of which you accuse them, my sin paid for those already. So if you know German, you know how strongly this is. Go away. still. I can't say the English version. When people talk about you and you picture the people, forgive them though, please. When people say things, this is what God says. And it's more important for you to hear it than for them. Not today, Facebook. Not today, Instagram. Not today, whoever it is. This is my child and I love them. And I won't let you talk about my child that way because by water and the word, their sins are washed away. And those sins of what you accuse them, they have been washed and cleansed away. Not today, not ever. I need you to hear what God says to them Because whose voice and opinion of you matters more? God's or theirs? And so in a loving way, you can kind of say, who cares what you say about me? Who cares what you say to me? Because my God says to me and about me, I'm his child, forgiven and cleansed and set free. There's one more person we have to talk to, and it's your own heart. You know, all kinds of people talk about you and to you, but nobody talks to you more than you do. And your heart will remind you of the things that you've done wrong. See, see, sometimes when people accuse us of things, we've actually done it, and they're actually right, and we know it. And, and then we go into our quiet places and even if they don't say something to us, our hearts say something to us, our hearts condemn us. And I need you to hear what God says to your heart. I want you to notice the subject change. Before, we've been saying this is. I want you to hear this for yourself. You are. This is what God says to you and to your heart. You are my child, I bought you by blood, I washed you with water, and I will never leave you. There is nothing of which hell or Satan or people can accuse you that I have not already paid for on the cross. It's all been forgiven and forgotten, thrown into the depths of my, the sea of my son's blood. You are mine, and I will never leave you or forsake you, and whoever stands against you, they stand against me. Still your heart, dear child of God, by the voice of your father, because your God is a God who smashes jars. I want to give you one more image. Back to the Exodus. To see your God, the way that Jeremiah pictures him, the way that God is. When God's people were in slavery, they were crushed, literally. They were working their, their, nut, their fingers to the bone. They, they had to go get their own straw and they cried out. They cried out to God in their distress, like we did before in Psalm 42. We cried out, "Oh, my soul, put your hope in God." We cried out to our God. They cried out to their God, and I want—I'm more interested in God's response. Know how God responded? There's four verbs. God heard. He heard their cry. He saw their distress, and he cared. And God did not just care, he came down. And when God came down, I want you to see what he did in vivid imagery. God parted the waters so that there was a wall of water on the right and the left. God, God came down and made a highway in the sea. But that highway also became a grave for the enemies of God's people. Dear people of God. I'm not trying to get you to be vindictive or vengeful. I hope you're more merciful after today. But I do want you to see your God as he, he, he cares and he comes down. You can trust him because he loves you and he is always at work for you. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.